You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. This is Jesse, and in the future, the post-episode 100 paradigm will be decided using primer rules. It's going to be beautiful! This is Randy, and in the future, the post Episode 100 Paradigm will result in us trying to come up with a new framing device for promos. This is Melanie. And in the future post-100 episode Paradigm, Melanie still doesn't give a crap. Welcome to the Grogs Podcast, episode number 97. 97. Oh, yeah! Sorry. <laughs> that felt weird. <laughs> you immediately grabbed your throat. That was amazing. Uh, it felt like snapping into a Slim Jim, you know? You sounded like you were about <laughs> I mean, like to snap do. into a Slim Jim. Like you do. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. You, yeah. you were the cream of the crop for a moment. Thank you, baby. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> That's the sound of Melanie rising to the top. <laughs> wow <laughs> i love those i love those promos yeah. those, those little what, what, what do they call it? hype segments whatever they were mm-hmm. okay this episode ladies and gentlemen Z- that reminds me when's this going up whenever uh i want to say it's sometime around the new glow season oh, oh. so you can expect one- a lot of Jesse announcer voice coming up very soon. Oh, heck yeah. Heck yeah. Uh, well, that'll be the 19th, right? This one going up the 19th. Oh, so I, I think Glow Season 2 just dropped. Glow Season 2 just dropped. Guess what? We're not talking about that. Yeah, because you know what else is going to be in the future? A lot of silent Melanie eye rolls. You can't. You just can't handle the I cringe. I feel like that's the right present. I can't. I can't handle the cringe. I can't. No. And so I choose to make fun of it. The show, I mean, not my cringe. I can't help that. Don't make fun of me. It's a, it's a problem. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like you're it's deflecting. Like dis- it's like a disability. You're deflecting. I'm deflecting my disability onto you. You have empathy. Overload. Itis. It's like I'm rubber and you're glue. Yeah, I'm that is deflecting exactly my like. empathy onto you. this episode ladies and gentlemen we are talking about not glow or empathy we're talking about especially not empathy not with this story we're talking about our poll is pig who's who's gonna say it (laughs) we're talking about deadly class volume one but the reason we're talking about that is why guys because of the poll list melanie a poll list what's that <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> he like looked like I had actually had something. <laughs> What's a poll? Show me this poll list. <laughs> Are you hiding it behind your back? <laughs> a poll list is a list that is also a poll that you get to vote on. Uh, and it's got some books on there. And you, if you like one of those books and think we need to read it next time, then you should vote on it. And if you think all of those books are crap, like sometimes we do too, then add a new one that you think we should read. 
and eventually we will read it because even the crap ones, you know, they eventually get read. They rise to the top. And then if you want to hear us talk about that book, you have to listen in to next month's episode to hear what we think. Yeah. So, yeah, every month, uh, whichever one has the most votes, that's that becomes next month's poll list pick. Yeah. They don't have polls work. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we remind them every month. Last month's cream of the crop that rose to the top uh-huh. was Deadly Class. No, I actually am wrong. The month before last month's cream of the crop was oh, Deadly yeah. Class Volume 1. But we delayed the poll list episode because reasons. Mm-hmm. We were busy. Um, <laughs> we were too busy for you. <laughs> we were too we were too busy doing live shows multiple times a week. Yeah. <laughs> we're and, too and busy doing Grolics to give you Grolics, guys. I, I, thought, I thought it was because of the con. That was part of it. Yeah, that was part of it, yeah, because normally we would have recorded it that weekend. Yeah. Uh, so we finally got we finally uh, we got to it. Yeah. Before we talk about Deadly Class, we need to pick next. You know what? We don't need to pick nothing. We need to figure out what you, listener, picked for us to read. What are you responsible for? What did you pick? I know. I know what you picked. I bet Jesse knows. I do. I just said I do <laughs> that I do. Uh, it's Sandman Preludes and Nocturnals. It's and amazing. With- wow, I'm pretty sure we about got hit with a marvel. It's amazing. Sandman came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. That's weird. It's 35% of the vote, which just barely edges out House of M with a close second. That's that's 30 30%. I'm already doing the glow voice. 30%. It's Uh-oh. it's the glow voice mixed with Morty. But not Rick. But not Rick, because because Rick different. doesn't care. <laughs> okay, so Sandman Preludes and Knock. Uh, Melanie, have you ever read that? I don't. That's the new one. No. Then yes, I have. Is it a problem that I don't think I've read any Sandman ever? You've read some. I don't think I have. You have to have. Nope. You can't be with me and not have read some Sandman. I'm the reason you read Sandman. I know this, but I've never read it myself. Oh, are you serious? <laughs> yeah. You know what? I have a feeling in terms of like comic book readers our mm-hmm. age, mm-hmm. I'm a rarity. I'm like a unicorn. Not like a unicorn store unicorn, but a real <laughs> unicorn. That was your Not name. having read Sandman, that makes me special. It does because uh, you're crazy because it's like the best ever. Come on, man. They've got like dream babies, baby. Dream babies. Dream babies, baby. <laughs> Um, I don't know why I've never read it. I just haven't. It's great, and they got that one. What's that guy called? It's a it's a mythological thing, but the guy that has a, a teeth for eyes or mouths for eyes, and they like eat. Well, I'll have to read it before the series gets produced, the TV series. So they have a serial killer spe- convention. Speaking of TV series, <laughs> serial convention, and people go there just like they they're gonna get serial, but it's that's not what it is. Well, it's Neil Gaiman. It's it's great. I like Neil Gaiman. You love Neil Gaiman. Because I said so. I feel like I might need to read more to know, to be able to say I love him. Uh, well, you will love him because everyone that reads him loves him. Apparently, that's just a blind spot. Definitely seems in line with the stuff I'd like. Yeah. Oh, but- yeah. You should uh, you should read uh, Study in Emerald. And you should read uh, American... No, yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Amer- American Gods is pretty rad. American Gods. But I'm thinking of the other one that they just made into a show. What's that one? Uh, oh, Good Omens. Yeah, you yeah, should you... read Good Omens. Have you seen the show yet? No. Oh, oh yeah, all the all the good things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. 
Well, that's what we'll be talking. We'll be talking all about Neil Gaiman stuff next month. Yeah. This this month we're reading uh, talking about Deadly Class, which is another comic book that has recently been turned into a show that I don't know anything about. I know they didn't know that they made it into a show. They made yeah. it into a show, but it's been canceled. Are you serious? Yeah. yeah, it lasted one season, I think. And uh, I think it got fairly good reviews. So, of course, we better cancel it. I don't think I ever even heard of it. It was... Sci-fi? Uh, sci-fi, right? which I'm still in the mindset that that's a horrible thing. If something gets produced for sci-fi, that's a bad thing. However, Happy, mm. which also got canceled, was a sci-fi show. And Happy was great. It was great. The production was amazing. It was fully rated R, which I just kind of mind blown by, like, really? That was on sci-fi? But they did do a second season that we haven't seen yet. So yeah. we have more I think happy to look The problem is to. I don't know that these things are on sci-fi. Like, I thought, or how did I how did I know about Happy? It's either on Hulu or it's on Netflix, right? Because that's, yeah, that's how, I, that's how people watch things, right? Yeah, I don't see, that's know the problem. Sci-fi needs, to, sci-fi needs to stop, like, determining whether their shows are doing well by the TV because nobody watches TV anymore. Which is not good for them. <laughs> That's no. not good for them. No. Well, they need to like you know, suckle off the teat of the the, the bigger <laughs> the bigger networks and or not networks, but um, what do you call them? What what is Netflix? What do you call that? Like a distributor or something? I mean, it's kind of its own network thing. It's I was basically say, a it network kind of is, now, isn't it? Okay. I, I I yeah, I would say distributor, but it, they also produce themselves as well. Content providers. Yeah. They need to suckle off the teeth of the big content providers and grow fat. Deadly Class is an action genre American comic book series written by Rick Remender. Seems like we've actually read quite a bit of his stuff on the, for pull list picks. Illustrated by Wesley Craig, colored by Lee Lowridge, and lettered by Russ Wooton. Wu Tang? It's probably it's probably Wooten, but Wooton sounds like a. 80s space villain. Hmm. I am Wu-Tan. Well, Wu-Tan the Merciless. Mess with. Deadly class follows students enrolled at King's Dominion Atelier? Atelier? Hmm? A school for assassins. <laughs> a, sacred, a sacred high school in San Francisco as they train to become the next generation of top assassins for crime families across the globe. It's convenient that that is the entire series synopsis because that, yeah, I mean, yeah, we only yeah. read volume one, obviously. It's still going, according to Wikipedia, which is, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, um, it started in January 2014, so what we read would have been originally released in 2014. Yeah, we read Deadly Class Volume 1, Reagan Youth, is the subtitle of the volume, uh, which is Deadly Class vol- uh, Numbers Issues 1 through 6. Okay, so, so with the title like Reagan Youth, this is clearly set in the 80s. You're right, Jesse. This takes place in the 80s. Classy. 80s, 80s sucked. It's like 80, I mean, the majority of the story is 86 or 87, something like that. Did you guys read the forward and the no. afterward stuff at I all? I started reading the forward so. and I said, boring, and I stopped and I moved on. <laughs> I have to, I, you know, that's the thing is... We read this quite a while ago, so some of it I don't remember, but I did read it. I know why we pushed this uh, episode back. I read it this week. <laughs> I, I had started it before, but 
I didn't finish it till this week. Well, it I, basically the reason I asked is just because it's kind of interesting because a lot of it, obviously, he was Rick Remender was not trained at a school for assassins, mm-hmm. but a lot of it, at least the tone and the idea and the character and mm-hmm. stuff, is based on his life, and it sounded like he went through some stuff. Yeah. So it's kind of based on a little bit based on like his experiences. He was an emo. I mean, they weren't emo in they weren't emos in the eighties, but kind of no, because they would have been goth kids, and he's not a goth kid. He well, kind of. I mean, he's like he's like I don't care because caring is not cool. That's who he was. <laughs> he's definitely got elements of last episode where. I apparently had decided I had to stop the episode and just talk about how I know people that do that thing where they get information to hold it above you so they have power over you. Mm-hmm. His character is very much that kind of person, though. Yeah. So the main character is, I don't remember his name offhand. Apologize. Marcos or Marcus? Yeah, something like that. And when we, basically, when we get into the story, he's a homeless kid. And he used to, his parents are dead. One of those, like, killed by a suicide jumper thing. But his parents are dead, died when he was young. He was in a, whatever, orphanage, child's home. What would they call it? Not really a foster home, but like a, I guess it was a foster home, but. um, It was a home for boys. Yes. And then something happened. He he did something Mm -hmm. and left there and was homeless. Um, I'm pretty sure he burned the place down. Mm Mm-hmm. And then he gets, then cops are after him for killing people. Is that why? I think because of the orphanage thing, yeah. Okay. And then, I think, but I don't know, he's got a big reputation when he gets to the school, so as a psychopath. But basically, that's when he gets pulled into the school and he's like, they're like, hey, uh, we recognize something in you. We're going to train you to be an assassin. You want to be here or you want to be homeless? And uh, so he becomes, he does that. He goes to school. And it's really, it's, the the assassin thing is interesting. And that sets up like all kinds of opportunity for violence and action and stuff. But it's more of a kind of like twisted coming of age story. Mm-hmm. And it's much more, it dives much more into him dealing with being a new kid, being an outcast and being a new kid at the school and the social cliques, very much the social cliques mm-hmm. and tripping on acid <laughs> and just like, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's interesting because it's given the premise, it goes there and that definitely sets up like attention and stuff, but it doesn't really focus on the assassinate assassin stuff Mm -hmm. that's just there to kind of exaggerate reality Mm -hmm. it focuses more on him his character the characters and yeah i love this book oh and one of the reasons that i love it is because when you are a teenager which was very definitely like probably the worst point in my life everything seems like you're, you're you're gonna die because of this horrible you know embarrassment and everyone's evil and they're trying to kill you or something that's what it feels like or at least if you're like him and myself i'm guessing you overanalyze everything like Mm -hmm. horribly till you 
can't trust anyone or anything, even your own, you know, thoughts and stuff. It's crazy. And this portrays it very well. So this whole book to me is just 15 years old. No, yeah, it's interesting. Okay, so I mentioned he has like characteristics of whatever, blah, blah, blah. No, he has characteristics definitely that are like, I know people like that, but I, it's kind of, I don't know, that's not a good trait to have. Mm-hmm. But like you said, though, he also does have characteristics that he dies into. He either talks about it with, um, he doesn't make some friends, he talks about it with them, or you, we get a lot of inner monologue, mm-hmm. narration, whatever, through him. Um, but he's, it does touch well on traits like that, which, yeah, I can identify with that as well. Um, so, you know, he's not like, he's not really a total, he's not a psychopath. Well, yeah, he's a killer, <laughs> he's a killer. <laughs> yeah. but he's not like a, your t- typical, like he's not psychotic. He's not like a sociopath. He definitely has like anxieties and cares about what other people think mm-hmm. um, to an extent. So he's not like an actual sociopath. But, yeah, it's interesting, the kind of mix of traits he has. Mm-hmm. And it makes a lot of sense, especially if it's Rick Remender kind of based him on himself. Because he's not well-rounded, but he's a well-fleshed-out character. There's a lot mm-hmm. to him. It's not just a flat character. Yeah. Jesse, had you ever heard of this, and what did you think? I know I kind of skipped over that part initially. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I've heard of it, and uh, obviously I'm... I know about Rick Remender and his work, uh, but no, I hadn't read this one. Yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, and it was, it's like a hyper, yeah, it's a hyper violent version of high school. <laughs> yeah. With, with some other like, you know, out of school life stuff thrown in there. But most of the time we're, we're just following these kids uh, navigating the weird social cliques uh, that are inherent in this high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had never read this before. I had heard about it. I knew it was a TV show. Um, and at some point, I'd heard the basic premise. I don't know if it was through another podcast, but it's been going through the series has been going through uh, going since 2014. So it's been around. I had heard of it. I didn't know it took place in the 80s, or at least at the beginning it does. And I didn't know it was because, again, you hear school, like, they're assassins. They're training to be assassins. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I think just because of like crappy 80s, 90s action movies, when I hear assassin, I just think of a certain type of thing. And it's definitely not that thing. It is much more like high school story, mm-hmm. part road movie, you know, like, I don't yeah. know. It's, it is dark. It's super dark and kind of heavy at times and super twisted weirdly unnecessarily twisted with like the one character that pops up from his past. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Woo. Like who has an, a, 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 an affinity for animals. Yes. Like what? What? Yeah. Like who's unabashedly <laughs> a weirdo. It's like um, clear. It's clearly right there on the page and you're still doing a double take. Like, is, is that really happening? Yeah, that's happening. And then you wait for him to like deny it. And he's like, Nope. I F that sheep. Or whatever, like, <laughs> what? But uh, in, in case, listener, you still weren't picking it up. Yeah. That's how the book handles it, too. So that's weird. But the book is also a lot more fun than I was kind of expecting, I guess. I knew it was going to be fun. Anything about Assassin's School has got to be fun. Well, 
it's he's homeless for a while. Like it kind yeah. of we're with him for a while and it's bleak. And at one point he's going to commit suicide. Like it's super dark and not that it gets less dark. But then just, they go to a Grateful Dead concert. <laughs> they go to a Grateful Dead concert, not because they like the Grateful Dead, but because they that's where they can get cheap drugs. And then he eats half a paper of acid because he doesn't think it's actual acid. And then he, he spends over half the trade tripping. And it's it's pretty wild. Like It's magical. It's, it's got Hunter S. Thompson in it at least twice. It does have. It, they reference Hunter S. Thompson. You see him in a panel. Mm-hmm. when they're in Vegas. And during this trip, I kind of like how that's framed too because the issue starts where he's talking to like a cop and he's trying to remember why he's there. And he's like, it kind of does a, a very fear and loathing type thing. And he's like, well, you know, he's talking about ether, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that's when things really go bad. And then he's like, it's just going all these through these drugs. And he's like, but then the acid, that's where everything, that's where the bomb dropped or something like that. And then he's like trying to remember why he's there talking to a cop and he looks in his hands covered in blood and like it kind of sets this up as like a, you know, it's just like tension like, oh. Mm-hmm. But then when you finally get to that scene, there are things that aren't true in it because he was tripping. Yeah. So it's not exactly what it seems. But during this trip, he does help. It's not really his friend, but one of the guys he's there with murder his his this guy's dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he so they're trying to get out of there and then he gets pulled into Mr. T a a fic, not real Mr. Mr. T in his slot machine pulls him into playing slots for a while. Mm-hmm. And, and then he, he wins. And then he wins and then he's like pulled into the by the security and like just all this stuff. He jumps, then he gets attacked by this one guy who's jealous of him and his, this, you know, is jealous that the guy's messed around with his girlfriend. And he jumps out the window. Like, it, it, it goes insane. It does go insane. I don't know that we're doing this review any justice, but. No, but. <laughs> uh, it's so visual, though. Like, we can't, just, we can't describe it well the enough. The visual. Like, there's, yeah. like, creepy clowns that are not colored. In, they're, like, the negative image of a clown and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the art is awesome. There's like half an issue where he's just watching TV. I mean, there's other stuff going on. There are other characters at play, and we do cut to them occasionally. Primarily, basically, there's two threats. But then we'll cut back, and he's just watching TV. And the way, yeah, the art style is super, it's pretty cool because the room's distorting at times, and sometimes he's like in it, and just the things he says mm-hmm. are like, that sounds like some. Yeah, that sounds like somebody on drugs. Yeah. And I guess I don't, I don't mean to focus on that section of the book so much. But it was but that's so much the, fun. That was the fun part. Yeah. Even though he, that was intense. He's like bleeding out in the middle of the, like when uh, the boyfriend like attacks him and throws him through a plate glass window. He's like bleeding out, but he's still stoned. And he's like uh, talking to this cho- chocolate crocodile wrapper. I love that. <laughs> some of the stuff that I took screenshots, I don't know if I'll share them, but I took screenshots with the intent to share them at some point. Some of the stuff the rapper says, you know, is just like, well, buddy, it seems like this might be it. And then later, like, there's kind of a struggle over a gun, and he's pretty much just down <laughs> yeah, and out. Yeah, the gun starts talking. And, <laughs> the, yeah. yeah, it gets a cartoon mustache. It looks like a, like a, 
you know, kind of like an old West mustache. And he's like, hey, hey partner. Yosemite Sam. <laughs> Turned yeah. super cartoony. It's like, whoa. <laughs> they made this into a TV show, huh? But, yeah, I mean, even before that, like, there's the whole thing with the schools kind of interesting. Like, they mm-hmm. did some c- pretty cool world building. It seems very real to me, but I went to a, like, super competitive private school. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's got more of that feel than a normal school, I guess. I mean, that's basically what it is, too. It is a super competitive private school yeah. for assassins. And, I mean, he's, he's a homeless guy, a homeless kid that they brought in, which is not how they usually do it. Generally, they're all, like... They're all rich kids for the most part, not all of them, but a lot of them are rich kids from like mob families and, uh, you know, like all the jocks are like Russian and they're like uh, the kids of uh, Joseph Stalin's, uh, you know, his his kill squad, his his hitmen. Yeah. And there's um, the kids of drug cartels, Mm -hmm. stuff like that. I like that he knows... He gets there, he's on lunch, and everybody that's doing the, like, the lunch, he's at lunch, and everybody's doing the, like, you know, you can't sit here type thing, because he's the new kid, nobody really, he's kind of a weirdo, he's got a reputation, but I like that he instantly, you know, even though that's the, this is the first day at school, at this school, he knows where, like, his clique is, it's like, they're the, they're the freaks, whatever, they're the ones hanging, smoking a joint out back behind the school. And he goes out and he finds them. And, of course, there they are because that's what that group, you know, hmm. that's what those kids do. And then the school itself is like the headmaster's like this kind of old Asian assassin guy. Like there's some fun with the exaggerated premise of it where the classes are like poisoning 101 mm-hmm. and uh, decapitation and stuff like that. Yeah. And then the tests are kind of open to interpretation, like they're supposed to go find find somebody that doesn't mean anything and kill them. Yeah. Kind of thing. And then, like, it's a test, and you're not actually, actually supposed to do it, because you're only well, supposed to kill if there's a reason. Well, I was going to say, yeah, it seems they're supposed to find a vagabond, that's how they put it, but they have to de- deserve. They have to deserve it. And the issue is, oh, it's and it's pretty... It's pretty brutal and a little surprising when our main character settles on somebody. And he's got a partner who is not really a killer. They're basically like, we, you know, the evidence you gave for him deserving it, we can't verify any of that. So, mm-hmm. no, you failed that assignment. I don't think they tried very hard, though. <laughs> I mean. I mean, I think they knew. I think it's more. And, okay, maybe this is not good writing. But also, they didn't want to like focus on it too much, I suppose. But it's the kind of thing where it's like, well, we know that's probably the guy that he shouldn't have killed, not the guy he should have killed. So they know it. My whole thing is, okay, are they trying to justify murdering people during wartime? Like he doesn't deserve it because that's when this happened? Or is it, well, those weren't confirmed kills, so... Uh, we can't count those. Or, I mean, I don't understand. I get more the impression it's that. Or that because taking him off the board at this point doesn't matter. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. All I know is, I don't think it gives you, I don't, I don't think it gives you an excuse, personally. Well, to murder this guy? No, both. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't, well, I don't think that's an excuse to murder him, but he should still get in trouble if he murdered people. Even if it was wartime, you still can't go around just murdering everybody. 
Well, and that was kind of, I think, the kid's logic. Is that he admitted to, you know... Being a horrible person. In a yeah. Zippo, what, yeah. how do you put Zippoing an entire village or something? And they're basically like, well, we can't find evidence to collaborate that, so... And if that means that that he's deserving, then isn't that boy deserving too? Well, that's not the point. It's not like go murder everyone who deserves to be murdered. It was like, here's your assignment. You need to go kill somebody, but they have to be somebody that deserves it. Somebody bad. Nobody deserves to die, baby. But they're assassins, so they do. And the point is, isn't necessarily they only kill who, people who deserve it. They're assassins for hire. They'll kill anybody. Um, and they have classes that kind of contradict each other where the one guy, like decapitation teacher, is like, you know, you got to make sure you do it right or else they'll needlessly suffer and you don't want to do that. And then their next class is poisoning and the guy's like, if your client really wants you to send a message, do that, use this and they'll bleed everywhere. There'll just be so much blood. It'll get the message. Of, so, so it's clearly like, you know, mm-hmm. it's not so much the point of the morality of it. It's more following instructions, I think, is the whole point of th- them failing him for it. Okay. And punishing him by throwing him in solitary confinement, basically, for what well, they have a name for it, but solitary confinement for a week which he promptly gets busted out of and then goes on a acid trip to <laughs> in Las Vegas. <laughs> right. So I did start this previously. I didn't get too far, but then when I picked it back up, I blew through the rest. And this is one of those books where when I got to the end, I was disappointed just because it was over. And I was like, I, nope, I want to know more mm-hmm. because this kid is beat to crap. How they just, I know they went and like went somewhere and had him, get stitched up and stuff but the idea is they broke him out of there so long as he's back before his uh punishment ends they won't know that he was gone maybe he's, he's beat to crap maybe he was just scared in there and kept ramming himself against doors or something uh, against doors and sharp objects and then stitched himself up somehow yeah <laughs> also if you're i mean maybe it's just because he's crazy i guess because that crazy explains away a lot but if you're a crazy psycho stalker stalking somebody and you finally catch him, why are you just going to let him go? I felt that part was a little cheesy. So what you're, what she's referencing, listener, is the crazy uh, animal, animal lover. lover guy. Basically, after every like this whole scenario, this whole crazy, insane scenario played out, he's just like, okay. Then he steps out and he's like, I'm so-and-so from this guy's past. I'm a bad dude. I like to get down with animals. I'm going to ruin your life and make you, you know, regret everything uh, later. Just wanted to introduce myself. But when he's feeling better, I'll be back. And then he leaves. It's like, uh, that's weird and cheesy a little bit. Yeah. It's like, no, you probably could have just had him, like, hang back. Yeah. I don't know why he had to introduce himself. But, you know, whatever. Yeah. Okay, so we mentioned the artwork. What do you guys think of the artwork? It's beautiful. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, I think it's pretty cool. And it was pointed out in both the forward and the whatever afterward. A forward written by, I don't remember who, but the afterward was actually written by Rick Remender. But they both pointed out that the uh, the colorist, since it took, since the book takes place in the 80s, it doesn't necessarily look like an, you know, it's not like 80s comic style, but he used flat colors. There's like oh, yeah. no 
no like gradients or shading type stuff. It's it's flat colors like maybe a older style comic, and that was intentional. Um, kind of mm-hmm. add to the feel of a '80s story, '80s mm-hmm. comic a little bit. Um, but yeah, I thought the art looked good. I thought it was cool. Yeah. Did we did we mention the his goal in becoming an assassin? No, the whole reason the thing's called Reagan Youth. Yeah. He wants to kill Ronald Reagan because Ronald Reagan ruined his life. Yep. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And I was a little confused by that, but it's because, wait, do they even talk about it in the story about Reagan letting, or was it just in the? I think they talk about it a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Cause because he reveals it to somebody. Because Reagan passed whatever that basically closed down a bunch of the mental hospitals. I thought his parents were there in a program, and that's what closed down. Like a witness protection type thing. Oh, no. I don't think so. They were. Because the suicide jumper took yeah. out his parents, and uh, if that suicide jumper had uh, been oh, right. the crazy lady. institutionalized, she wouldn't have been there to kill his parents. I Okay. I was thinking for some reason that it was, it was a little more targeted. Uh-uh. No, yeah. It's a weird roundabout thing where, yeah – very, it's a very um, teenage leap of logic. But that put apparently hundreds of people on the streets that had uh, mental conditions, mental health conditions, and his parents were killed by a unstable suicide jumper off of a bridge. Right. Who landed on them. In case you're like, well, how did that kill them? Yeah. Yeah. Like the movie Amelie. Oh. You ever see Amelie? I think I watched it with you. But I did. I liked when he was talking about his parents dying. Like when he was young, he was always afraid of of like losing them or whatever. And then it happened. And then he was like, "Well, now I just don't. I don't even know <laughs> what I'm afraid of. Everything, I guess." All right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. We really danced all around this thing. But that's the best way to dance. All around. <laughs> yeah. Footloose and yep. fancy free. Put on your dancing shoes. Yeah. So John Lithgow will tell you not to. Melanie. Yes. Would you recommend this? I would. To who? Adults. Yeah, good. Yes, good distinction for sure. Yeah. This is an adult book. If you couldn't have guessed by our. By all the drugs and the murder. <laughs> the drugs and the murder and the uh, bestiality. Yeah. yeah. There's a few adult things in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd recommend this as well. This was excellent. This was a. Interesting, dark for sure. It's an interesting mix of like feels real, but also like very exaggerated mm-hmm. in a lot of ways um, and still manages to be manages to be fun. Yeah, somehow it's still relatable, even though these characters are so hyperbolic and, and mm-hmm. super violent. Yeah, I'm very interested to read more. And and how about you, Jesse? Yeah, I would I would recommend it. And again. Yeah, it's uh, obviously this is for certain type of comic reader. Uh, I would definitely recommend it to the type of comic reader that's looking for something that's not quite superhero, because this is not quite superhero for sure. Yep, this is for me. <laughs> so this is for Melanie. I only. would definitely recommend it to Melanie. Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys think Sandman is a superhero? Uh, he's more like a god type character, right? Yeah. So yeah. I mean, I mean, like, there's some similarities but i wouldn't necessarily yeah 
but but it's interesting because now they're going to throw Constantine into that universe, and then that's the argument that a lot of people have with Constantine is he's not a superhero, but does he fit with Sandman universe better? I don't know. What do you think, Melanie? Um, around it at least, not necessarily in it. Like like he should be somebody that they bump into, but he mm-hmm. shouldn't be living up in Dreamland and stuff. Right. Make it visit though. I'm sure Swamp has. Thing? Is there any Swamp Thing series yet? Nope. Uh, uh, Read Sandman, and you won't even care about Swamp Thing. Ooh, no, I don't know if that's don't true. You, don't you say that? <laughs> <laughs> I always care about Swamp Thing. I, uh, we need to watch more episodes of the Swamp Thing show. We stopped watching. <laughs> I can't imagine why you stopped watching it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because the dark spot is cool. Yeah, well, yeah, well, okay, Swamp Thing show impresses me so far. I know we since the last time we talked about it, we haven't watched a single more episode. I don't remember when the last time we talked about it was, but it was a while back. It was the last podcast we actually recorded, I think. I think so. Um So back in May. Uh, yeah, probably on the pre-show. So it impresses me in how hardcore it goes. They go hardcore Horror are. Mm-hmm. The Swamp Thing story itself, though, is kind of disappointing to me. It's a little disappointing, Swamp Thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, it sucks that they won't be able to stick around long enough to maybe make it a better Swamp Thing, but and maybe it does get better. Maybe Matt dies and then is carried around by flies. Yeah. Well, hmm. I could see them doing a thing like that. Well, they, I don't know. They just, they've introduced so much and it's just such a bummer that it got canceled. I would keep watching and I will watch the rest, but they introduced the rot and potentially Anton uh, is Anton, right? Yeah. Yeah. And Woodrow, you know, the, the Floronic man Mm. and Sunderland's there, of course. And they got this voodoo lady. I don't know what her deal is, but they're hinting at this. She's got this whole other thing going on with the, ghosts are upset and like there's so much they've got going on and I'm like well that sucks because I guarantee 70 to 80 percent of that is not going to get resolved mm-hmm. and it's made Randy be like Sunderland whenever we see that guy on other things what was it okay so the actor who plays Sunderland he's not a bad actor but there's just such a hammy quality to him especially when he really leans into kind of a southern-ish accent and in here you know he's kind of leaning a bit into like the louisiana swamp accent and uh i'm sorry that's not really an accurate (laughs) representation but it's just the way he holds his face maybe he can't help it but he feels kind of like a hammy act character actor to me Mm -hmm. like he's always raising his eyebrows halloween we were watching it was that's what it was we were watching the 2018 halloween finally oh yeah i was gonna ask you about that because i saw you rated it on uh yeah, I'm letterboxed. Oh, we can have quick words about that. But he plays the sheriff in that. And as soon as I seen him, I was like, Sunderland. <laughs> yeah, he, he was okay in it. But he's, yeah. you know, he's just a little hammy. Yeah. All right. Real quick then. A little bonus act, tack on. 2018 Halloween. Hadn't watched it yet, which is crazy because I love me some Halloween. And I was mm-hmm. kind of excited for this because it's got some, at least it has, it has, John Carpenter's blessing. Yeah. Whereas, like, 
I don't think any of the other ones outside of three, the one that isn't really a Halloween movie. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, totally different. Yeah. It's none a of Halloween the other ones. Movie, just not a Halloween movie. None of the other ones really had his blessing, including two that he like produced and did the music for and stuff. He says outright he needed money. He owed taxes. That's why that happened. <laughs> but I liked it a lot. I don't, yeah, I gave it four stars on Letterboxd. Four stars because I don't think it's perfect. I think the filmmaking could be a little bit better. better. It could be more like striking. The pace is pretty quick, actually. It kind of seems like they could have slowed the pace down because it's Halloween. But then again, whatever, it's modern movie, so they don't want to do that. But I feel like the original Halloween definitely has more flair, more visual flair and um, style. So a little lacking in that respect. Oh, and (laughs) I forgive all of it, but there's some pretty cheesy plot like turns that they're not super cheesy, but they're just very convenient. There's so many convenient plot turns just to put this, make this scenario happen. But it's because this is probably maybe the best interpretation of Michael Myers ever. And I include the first Halloween. I kind of, I think Michael Myers is, this is the best Michael Myers ever because he's just a killing machine. Like there's no reason or rhyme to it. He's not tracking anyone down. He's not related to anyone that he's tracking down. He's literally going from house to house. Just killing. (laughs) Murdering people. Like he gets to town. Well, it's a little cheesy that he was able to track down those podcasters and get his mask back. Mm -hmm. That was completely an accident though. He was already there, wasn't he? Yeah, it does seem like he was already there. Yeah. See, that's what I'm saying. They were tracking him more, more likely. There's I mean, a lot like, of convenience. Yeah. Y- yeah. You're right. They probably had word that he'd broke out already. They mm-hmm. did, didn't they? But so there's a lot of little convenient things like that to put him in the right place. Um, even towards, I don't want to get into spoilers, but towards the movie, there's a big twist with one of the characters and it 100% exists just to get Michael Myers by Laurie Strode. Yep. Otherwise he wouldn't go there because he doesn't right. care. And that's the best thing about it is like, he doesn't care but Melanie, you're right. Like it won me 100% on board is when he finally gets to Haddonfield and it's Halloween night, he goes into it. Like he walks up to the first house he gets to, he walks in, he kills the person in there. He walks out of that house, directly walks next to the, to the next house, goes inside, kills that person. And I'm just like, this is just what he does. Like he just kills like house to house. <laughs> right. Love it. It's so perfect that I feel like that makes him so much scarier because mm-hmm. there's no reason to it. Yeah. He's just going to kill everyone except babies. Yeah. But I think he was just like, eh, that's not even worth my time. I thought that was an interesting moment. Yeah. Because for a moment they're like, oh God, they do the thing. Cause they're like, and they know people are going to be like, oh, is he going to kill the baby? But <laughs> the, the way he kind of like almost doesn't acknowledge the baby even existing. He just like stops for a second, cocks his head slightly, and then just keeps going. Yeah, because he didn't even look at it, did he? He just uh-huh. heard it cry and he's like, eh? And he's like, eh. Yeah, eh. he just keeps going. But yeah, so anyway. He's like, it'll die on its own without its mom. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt, huh? <laughs> oh man, he's Darwin. He's Darwinist. Not a perfect movie. No. The end, I know why they did it, especially since... Part of the reason we watched it is because they just announced the two sequels. Right. But they did not definitively watch him die 
They put him in a situation where it's obviously like, nope, you're in a Halloween movie. He's going to escape this situation. But there's not really any way he could have. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. He did. Yeah. You know he did, Michael and that's Myers, why they did that. Yeah. Otherwise, they would shoot him, shoot him, shoot him until he's down, pull his mask off, and then just shoot him until there's nothing left. Why don't they just decapitate him? Any of it. Do any of that. Don't lock him in a place. Start the house on... Spoilers. Lock him in a place, start the house on fire, and then leave without... You know, then leave because your house is on fire. Right. They didn't watch him die. Yeah. In fact, the last shot when before they leave, you shoot down there, and he's not standing by the stairs anymore. Just be like... Phew. Yeah. Bring your house down for nothing, Lori. My, can I say one thing? Uh, did you okay. say all the things? I'm going to need to stop. I'm sorry. My, okay, so the daughter of Lori, mm-hmm. I don't remember what her name was, but I've seen her in things. Lori Jr. Okay, so Lori Jr. <laughs> I've seen her in acting other things, and she's she's always been okay, but she's just, you know, she's just secondary actor, basically. And my favorite freaking part of the whole thing was her in the basement. Uh-huh. Crying, like, I can't do this, you know, whatever. And then he comes over there and she's like, you know, she was just getting to lure him after her so that she could get him. And I'm like, that was like the best acting I've seen in the whole thing right there, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it was good. So what did you, th- I'm sorry, Melanie, what did you think of it? Where did, were you, where, did you like it? Were I liked you it. Impressed? Were you, let I down? was, I liked it and I liked what they did. I do like what they did with, uh, with the Lori character, to an extent, I don't think she would be nuts enough to lose her everything over it. But I, I still think that she would have had some kind of crazy, awesome setup like that. Yeah, it's a little over the top. Yeah, yeah. How about so, Jesse? You it sound like you've seen it then? Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's been a while, but uh, we saw, we see this one in theater. Yeah, saw this one in theater, and uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was probably the best sequel. Mm-hmm. Period. Full stop. It's been the best sequel, you know, because yeah. yeah. even H2O was like, oh, no. You mean there's other sequels? Uh, not according to this. I love it because I always hated it. My sisters liked Halloween, too. My, and my parents would play it. It's, you know, Halloween, too. That's fine. I always hated it. It irritated me, especially the thing about the sister. I'm like, no, that doesn't that doesn't make sense. He already killed his sister. <laughs> well, yeah. And it's like. Why does she have to be his sister? Right. He, he goes after... He was in the house, and she went up and left a key. If he's targeting her, it's just because, hey, she was at his house, so he's going to target her. Yeah. And kill everybody else around. It's the same reason why Freddie had a daughter, and and the dream child grew up to be one of his victims, and, you know... Because it's a sequel, and they've got to put something yeah, in there. Yeah. No, I love this, that they straight out cut all of them. They're like, nope, this is the sequel to Halloween, the first one, the original. Mm-hmm. I also liked uh, the fact that they <laughs> they kind of take the, uh, oh, I don't know, I don't know, good, good uh, Grawlix version of this. Take um, the stuff out of? Yeah, they, take, they take the stuff out of true crime podcasting a little bit uh-huh. by making them mm-hmm. the first freaking victims, basically. Oh, yeah. I mean, the first non uh you know, accident, car accident victims. <laughs> I mean, they're kind of just a exposition plot device, but it seems like it sets them up as, I mean, that's who we come into the movie with. It sets them up as they're going to be characters. Spoilers. And then they just get killed. Right. I also thought they might've been poking fun a little bit at like the conjuring type movies, you know, like the, 
the couple that go and investigate all the uh, things yeah. and yeah. Maybe oh, yeah. not, but They're, it's haunted. <laughs> I get the feeling from them though for some reason. Yeah. Were they in those? Or she looks she, a lot like she looks like a lady that is in those. Yeah, if she's not, then she looks like her. Also, and I yes, true kind podcasting. Those those are popular. That said, I don't know any podcast that can go drop three thousand dollars on an interview for an episode. Yeah, right. Okay. That's right. insane. <laughs> well, that I, was us. You know, if you like if you like true crime podcasts, more power to you. But it, it became kind of like the the thing that podcasts hung their hat on for a while. Mm-hmm. Like, if you wanted to be successful, you had to either be an interview show or a true crime podcast. So it, yeah. it got a little old. <laughs> well, and it's the thing of like. It kind of becomes a joke, but it's pr- probably not a joke because I'm pretty sure it's ha- happened for real, probably to lots of people of like, when somebody who discovered podcasts through there finds somebody who podcasts and I mean, you throw a brick and you'll hit somebody who podcasts and they're like, oh, you do a podcast? What murder do you podcast about? It's like, oh, come on. Right. Come on. In fact, I really wish I'd have wrote it anyway. Maybe I will. But I contemplated. So we did Ocon expo a while back and one of the my grand ideas that i didn't pan didn't pan out is i wanted to do like a mini comic or something Mm -hmm. and that was going to be part of like the opening little (laughs) section oh yeah was going to be at a convention where somebody's like what's a grolic so then we have to explain grolics and they're like what's a podcast i have to explain oh like you know like cereals like yeah but not cereal what murder do you talk you know just this whole bit yeah just because it's fun and it amuses me but it is also a little frustrating being a podcaster it's like there's so many podcasts all the time, of course, and it's good. People are still discovering podcasts, but podcasts seem so new to a lot of people. And it's like, we haven't even been doing it for half the time it's been around, and we've been doing it for like six years now. Oh, mm-hmm. God. Yeah, I, I remember listening to podcasts when I started my career, uh, and that was over 16 years ago. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Like these podcasts are not new in any sense. Or I'm like, I don't remember who it was. And, you know, no bad on them. Listen, if you're just discovering podcasts, you know, you don't know this. There's no bad on you because they weren't mainstream for like a decade at least. Right. My parents have known that I do a podcast forever, but they still are like, what's a podcast? And I'm like, I already told you what a podcast is. Don't act like you don't know. And they're like, a radio show? I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's a radio show. (laughs) And I walk away. But, you know. We've been doing this for like six years. I know. but it, it, I've been podcasting for seven years now. It's insane. Right. I think it's like they try to describe it to people and they don't know what to call it. And that's why, why they ask me, actually. Yeah. But I'm like... You call it a podcast. Yeah. It is like... it's Whatever. If you're listening to this, you know what a podcast is. If you've gotten this far into the Grawlix podcast, <laughs> you're familiar with podcasts. You're not, an, you're not a newbie. <laughs> Newbies, not to say newbies won't find Grolics and listen, they probably won't get this far into it, I'll be honest. <laughs> well, <laughs> right. they might. They might love us. We love them. And want to start their own and podcast. If, if they did, it's probably because they like Deadly Class. Yep. Or Halloween. Or no, Halloween. probably yeah. Deadly Class. <laughs> you know, like, they skipped the entire hey. Deadly Class part of the episode and just went right to the Halloween talk. If, I think if you like Deadly Class, you'll like Halloween. I mean, Hey, woo, hey, good segue there. Good, good connection. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's all pizza. It really is. It is. It is. You throw it all on uh, a delicious crust with a delicious 
sauce and just throw some delicious cheese on it and you have a pizza. Yeah, but everybody eats the wrong way and I just want you all to know that. They eat it the wrong way? Yes. How are you supposed to eat it? Uh, you're supposed to eat the crust first. Yeah. You don't do that. Yes, I, I do. do it wrong. I do. I don't think you do it every Watch time. Watch me. Do it now. Wicked, wicked, wicked. I don't have any pizza. <laughs> wicked, wicked. Uh, yeah, I do. I mean, I haven't not always in my life, but that's because I was wrong before. And then I discovered the right way, <laughs> and now that's how I eat it. I, I, it you know was... who else eats their pizza that way? Hmm. Donald Trump. Does he? Then, well, I'm sorry, but... No, actually, he eats it with a fork, but... Oh, well, that's completely wrong. Ooh. No, but because, you know, you don't want to eat the crust because it's dry and gross, and you don't have anything on it. But that's why you eat it backwards, so that you could take a bite of that, along with a bite of the yummy saucy part, so it's not gross, and then, Yeah. So you eat the whole pizza. Why, why, why doesn't he? Why does he use a fork? Who uses a fork? Okay, so where I was getting this in the '90s, he did like Pizza Hut commercials when they did the stuffed crust thing, right? Yeah. And so he'd flip the pizza around in the commercial and oh, eat it that's crust first. Right. That's and people right. are like, "What are you eating the crust first? That's ridiculous." But more realistically, what how he probably eats it is. The way that I saw on The Daily Show years back when it was still Jon Stewart and you could still have fun poking fun at Donald Trump without it being like (sighs) impacting laws and economic, you know, anyway. Right. Point is, there was some, I don't know, just some video of him out in New York somewhere eating pizza and he was eating it with a... With a fork. Oh, man. Double whammy. New York pizza with a fork. It was big old floppy New York pizza. Man, people. Fork, cutting it, stabbing it. It's a wonder he ever became president. He he eats pizza wrong, man. I mean, like, and in New York. Mm -hmm. He's lucky he survived. (laughs) John Stewart also used to make fun of him for eating steak well done, but I, you know, ain't nothing wrong with that. It's better when it's not, though. I'm not a heathen. (laughs) Not a heathen. You know why brains develop? Because we started cooking that meat. (laughs) So I'm going to keep cooking it. It's because we started eating meat, but whatever. Cooking it helped. I don't don't understand. I've never, you know, and we're probably winning hearts and minds right now with our talk about cooking steak. But uh, I've never understood the, the whole concept of it's got to be medium rare or not even medium rare, just rare. Like there are people that are just like, nope, it's got to be yes. dripping blood. And I'm like, for one no, time in gross. my life, I'm in the majority of this <laughs> it, group it, about this. It has more flavor and it's easier to chew when, more. It's, when it's more rare. More. Yeah. But about the time you get one that's cold, you'll never eat it rare again. I have eaten it cold and it's still good. Oh, I don't know about that. More flavor, more flavor, more blood diseases. Well, it, or worms. Those mm. blood diseases taste good. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't Gross. have to be like charbroiled through for me, but it does have to be yeah. mostly done. <laughs> a little pink is fine. I'll take it medium well, but that's usually how I order it now is medium well. It's got to at least be brown, but on the outside, I mean, not the inside. Um, but that's about it. Once it's brown on the outside, though, you've killed off all the germs. It's not no on the outside. No, that's not how it works. <laughs> yes, because they yes, because the germs don't aren't like burrowing into the meat. They're on the outside of the meat. Once that's cooked, they're killed, and the inside is okay. 
That's why you can't eat processed meat unless it's cooked. I don't feel like. Because it's been processed, so there's been germs all up in all of it. That's not scientifically accurate. Yes, it is. Anyway, let's get off the steak subject. (laughs) Yes, this was a mistake. Oh. Time to move on to onion rings. (laughs) Onion rings. (laughs) Well, I got no problem with onion rings. I like onion rings, too, but I like the real onion rings. Not the little, like, minced onion that they wrap up in dough and try to cook and pretend like it's an onion ring. No, yeah, that's not really proper. It's got to have an onion in there. Yep. An onion ring. Yeah. You got to got to be a bite it and then the whole onion pulls out when you try to take it away from your mouth. Yeah, that's true. Most of the time you're really just eating breading and then onions, but that's okay. Yeah. That's that's what we got there for. <laughs> Gr- I, it reminds me of that thing that I love it. They're like, you want to eat six uh, cheese sticks in a row? And they're like, no. And they're like, well, what if I bread them and fry them and give you marinara sauce? And they're like, right. yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> 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 That's a good point. Welcome to the Grolics with sophisticated food talk. <laughs> <laughs> we must be hungry because we just w- fell down a whole rabbit hole of food. Mm. Steak and onion rings. And- That's a good rabbit hole to be in. <laughs> mm. It's all pizza, and that's how it started. Yep. <laughs> all right. In-house news. I'll lead with uh, GCU. I will be either just has or just will have wrapped season three. Which means we're taking a little break over at GCU, Grolic Cinematic Universe. If you don't know what that is, listener, well, it's because we're not on. It's not on this feed anymore. It has its own feed, but you can find it at the same website as you can find this, which is GrolicsPodcast.com. Anything else happening later this month? We do have the Grolix uh, live cast on Castbox, and you should go over to Castbox, uh, look for it. Uh, Follow Randall Sylvie, and then you'll get notifications anytime that we do a live cast so that you can be involved in the narrative. You can be involved in the chat. Uh, you basically control that show in a lot of ways. Uh, yeah. We come to it with some news and we come to it with some themes. But uh, other than that, it's your show, uh, just like this one is. And speaking of this being your show, it, you can support this show by going to the Grolix Podcast Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash Grolix Podcast, uh, where if you decide to support the show, we're working towards the goal of a commentary track on Swamp Thing we'd really like to do. And we're, we're, we're over halfway there. So any little bit helps. And to clarify, that's the original live action Wes Craven Swamp Thing movie. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, that that is a goal that we're trying to unlock. But in the meantime, you get uh, like over 50 plus episodes of the pre-show where we talk about all sorts of stuff. 53, 55. It's creeping up there. Episodes, bonus episodes, full bonus episodes that you can't hear anywhere else. Nobody else has heard them. If you're a patron, man, we... We are open to your ideas. Like, uh, if there's, if you're a patron and you are uh, looking to get extra things, like, I don't know, like a, like a Discord channel or that kind of thing, uh, we can make any of those things happen. We'd love to hear some feedback on what you'd like to see out of a Patreon page. Yeah, anything you need, you need a pint of blood, I'll give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, basically, yeah, we we enjoy interacting with people and. We're always trying to figure out what the best way to do that is. So we are open to ideas because mm-hmm. we'll try things. Sometimes they work. Sometimes they don't. But uh, if you're already somewhere, let us know. We'll be there. 
We're probably there. We just don't utilize it yet. Yeah, yeah. We have a Discord. We have stuff on Discord. Patreon.com slash Garlic's Podcast. Those bonus episodes, there's a few that are like an hour long. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're they're almost all funnier than the regular show. That's <laughs> <laughs> kind of true. When we get going, man, especially on something we care about. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's basically whatever we want to talk about. We're not bound to like comic books or movies or something where, you know, if we have, want to talk about interesting business ideas we have mm-hmm. we do and it sounds and it sounds ridiculous but it's fun it is. <laughs> and uh, and uh sometimes it's very clear how little we know about business as evidenced by some of our wild madcap ideas oh, wait isn't turning cartwheels back oh yeah turning, turning, cart- is back. Turn- turning cartwheels podcast is back uh it's been i've i released tur- an turning epi- cartwheels what's that <laughs> i released an episode of the turning cartwheels podcast it was on hiatus for at least two years probably more like three and uh the turning cartwheels podcast is my solo show where i talk about different topics uh and i really take a bent towards like uh you know using tools like meditation and journaling to get at the root of some of our, uh, well, basically my problems. And uh, so, yeah, that's that's kind of the, the way it is. Uh, I try to keep it pretty positive, but life isn't always positive. Yeah. <laughs> Go listen to it. <laughs> Doesn't that sound like a show you should listen to? Your pitch used to be a little different. <laughs> it was a lot different, and it was a much more concise, but I don't, I don't do that show anymore. It's, the show's changed. So I I've go changed. listen to go listen to Jesse's uh, mental health channel. It basically, yeah, you can find that on Castbox. You can find it on uh, a lot of, a lot of places, but uh, the easiest place to find it is cartwheelspodcast dot com. Yeah. Hey, you know what else probably just came out or is coming out soon? I don't know how long his turnaround is, but I was recently a guest on the Covert Nerd. Oh, Ooh. who does the Covert Nerd podcast? Covert Nerd Podcast is a podcast by Lee Searcy, a friend of the show, a longtime friend of the show. He is a podcaster not too far from us, physically. He's a scholar and a gentleman. He is a scholar and a gentleman. He does a very cool show. We've mentioned Covert Nerd a couple times. And, oh, I, I know we mentioned him on the Ocon Expo um, episode because I did a podcast panel with him. Oh, he hosted right. the podcast panel that I did. And I was on an episode of his show. We talked about our top three. I approached him about this. We talked about our top three favorite Super Nintendo games because he recently did an episode with Jeff Geegan, who has been on our show. Yes. Um, He recently did. Well, he's done several episodes with him, actually, but they did one with it was their top three favorite uh, like 80s arcade games or just arcade games. And I was listening to that and I was like, this sounds fun. I like this format. It's a list, totally a list episode, but I like this format. I wonder if Lee wants to talk about Super Nintendo games because now I want to talk about Super Nintendo games. So <laughs> I reached out to him and he was all for it. So yes, good time. Yeah. What are my top three favorite? Well, only one of them is unique to Super Nintendo. The other two are ports, but they're good ports. <laughs> Darn it. Yeah. A ship in every Hello. port. Yes. A chicken a, in any, every pot. Any, any port in a storm. Yeah, that's, that's not the, true. That's that's the metaphor I was thinking. <laughs> Any port in the storm, unless it's Sega, in which case the Super Nintendo port's probably better. 
suck it sega genesis kids yeah that's right <laughs> the rivalry's still going strong <laughs> console wars 1996 forever <laughs> wait maybe it was earlier than that i think i used to play sega because it was like there was a kid with a big head he was like a caveman kid and he used to bang stuff with his head all the time you know that one? Oh, the game yeah. I thought you meant like the kid who had the Sega. <laughs> I was like, I don't know that one. No, the console no, no, got was, dark. <laughs> my neighbor got my neighbor had Sega. I think it was Sega. I didn't. I actually don't know what it was. I feel like it wasn't any of those, but it's something. Could so have been something else. Yeah, it's something that existed. So, and you could put you could play uh you could play Sonic on it though. It was definitely Sega then. Okay, because yeah. you can. Well, you can only put that on Sega. At that time, yeah. It wasn't called Sega though. Now you can play it on anything because Sega doesn't make consoles. Well, it wasn't called a Sega at the time. It was a Genesis? Yes. Sega Genesis? No, it, was, it didn't say Sega anywhere on it. But it said Genesis? No, it said 64. What was that? Um, the Mega Drive? Mm. Is that? No, the, the Mega Drive. No, that wouldn't have said 64 yet. I don't know what it was, but nobody else that I knew ever had one. I've never seen another one anywhere. Was that so Sega CD weird, then? Yeah. Uh, I, I remember. I vaguely remember the 64. It could have been Sega CD. That might have said 64-bit on it. Because there was a Sega Genesis and there was a Sega... Maybe it was a Sega Saturn or something. That could have been. But anyway, it was weird. Nobody else ever had one. But we played the crap out of it because that's what she had. And I had an... Uh, oh, no, I didn't even have a Nintendo yet. I didn't get a Nintendo until PlayStation came out. But... It could have been a Saturn. Yeah, that's yeah. I bet it was a Saturn. Yeah, that that was what went up against the Nintendo sixty four and the PlayStation one. I bet it was a Saturn. In the PlayStation one, the first PlayStation. When did Dreamcast come out? Then was that after that? That would have been after. That would have been their. That was their last attempt, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, the Saturn didn't do well at all. The Dreamcast, I think, did better. The Dreamcast was kind of like. It's like a cult hit. Like people it's super who love love the Dreamcast, love it. It was awesome, and also, I think it was one of the first home home consoles you could hack and play emulators on, which was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it was a cool console, and it had a bunch of like online stuff built into it that never really got utilized. They were they were ahead of the curve. They were there's games that had downloadable content. DLC basically. Oh wow! Like that was going to go out to them, but they just it never happened. But they they sure like you know had everybody look at it that were like, oh nobody's buying their stuff, but look at all this stuff they got. They had online games on Super Nintendo, well Super Famicom in Japan. Wow! Talk about ahead of the time. Holy cow! Yeah, yeah. You play games with people online on Super Famicom. That blows my mind. Yeah. You download games. That's cool. This is the nineties. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Wowie wow wow. <laughs> okay, wow. Well, this really went on. How did we get here? I don't even know. I'm keeping that though. That's all standing. <laughs> there you're welcome, Lee Cersei. Oh, oh yeah. The covert nerd. <laughs> Go listen to it. I'm on it. Plus, you should listen to it anyway. I really like his show. Yeah. Because it's all like nerd topics, but it's much more freeform. It's much more... One episode, he'll be talking about the Star Wars Extended extended Universe, which is that's a pretty nerdy topic. The next episode, he's talking arcade games with Jeff Geegan. Uh Sometimes he's talking like... 
I don't know. It's just kind of all over the place. He'll he talk movies. Lord, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, he'll, mm-hmm. he'll talk. Uh, he had a whole episode with uh, a bunch of uh, like like his kids and uh, his friends' kids, and they were talking about movies that they thought stood the test of time from back in the day. We're like, how did you get these kids to watch all these eighty movies so they'd have such an informed opinion about it? <laughs> right. That's yeah. Somewhere in middle America, sitting in front of his computer and average everyday podcaster is looking at his download numbers and website. Let's see. What can I do to spice up my podcast? Man, I really need to update this website. What you doing, Matty D? Hey, Jerry. Didn't see you come in. Man, I'm a magical gnome that pops in and out of a magical realm. How can you not hear the harp strings breaking? I mean, it's called string theory for after all. So, like I was said, what are you doing? Uh, I'm looking for ideas to update my podcast and spice things up. Huh. You know, I might be able to help you there. Jerry? Jerry, where'd you go? Meanwhile, somewhere else in middle America, mulling over his computer is another average everyday podcaster. Let's see, 60s reboot. Man, he does have a nice idea, but this website sure could... What the? What the devil? Oh, hello. You're awake. Who are you? How'd you get in here? Uh, you see me. Ah, hell. That's gonna need some explaining. What's with the giant duffel bag? Sorry, Randall. No time to explain. Someone needs your help. Well, this is faster than email. Look, I'm just going to put you in the sack. What the devil? Take you some, to someone who needs you. Somebody needs you. Hey, Randy. Did you say something? Wow, what a mess in here. Huh, could have sworn you was here a minute ago. Back in Middle America. Hey, Matty D, I'm back, and I think I have an answer to your problem. Jerry, what'd you do? And what or who is in the sack? Well, I got someone to help you out. And he was looking to do something with his network. What the hell? Where am I? Randall. Oh, man, I'm sorry. I I didn't know Jerry would do this. We have discussed this before, Jerry. What the devil? Er, sorry. Look, uh, why don't you two talk? I'll get out of your hair and go fight some trolls. That's what I'm good at. Again, Randall, I'm so sorry. I made a mistake of telling Jerry that I was looking to freshen up my website. And look at doing something to spice up my podcast. I guess he thought you could help me. What the devil? I was just minding my own business looking at... Or wait. Did you say you were looking to modify your podcast? Hmm. Again, Randall, I'm so sorry. I think I can help with that. What? Maybe Jerry was on to something. You're kidding. Okay, so why don't you tell me more? I've been thinking about creating a line of exclusive podcasts for the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. And I think yours would fit. That sounds cool. I was actually going to email you about it tonight. Really? 
Yeah, I was thinking we could spice up your website, have your show be exclusively at the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network, and we could come up with some great quality episodes of your podcast. Here, let me sit at that computer and I'll show you. A few minutes later. Wow, that all looks really great. I'm sold. When can we push this out? Whenever you want. Okay, about how about now? You got it. Okay. You are now live. Fantastic. Let me just grab a megaphone and spread the word out on the streets. Come check out the new and improved EMC Network exclusive podcast, the 60s Reboot Podcast, where we recast and review classic 1960s television shows for today's audiences. See our new website at emcpod.net slash 60s Reboot, only on the EMC Network. You can also get us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and CastBox. And follow us at 60s Reboot on Twitter. Matt, how am I getting home? Oh, hey, right. Well, let me see if I can find that gnome. Wait, this isn't the Grolix podcast. Oh, crap. Now there's two Randys? Oh, hey, Matt. Say, is this the exclusive promo? Yes. Cool. Well, the Blinkatron is on the fritz, and I'm from the, the future. future. And I'm trying to get back to the 100th episode of the Grolix podcast. Tell you what. Hey, present me. I'll take you home. Great, great. Just don't try to kill me. I really can't stand all this time manipulation and magical gnome hijinks. Next time, Matt, just email me. Come on, Randall. Let's go before things get too confusing. Oh, and Matt, don't forget to wind your watch. This is Jesse. Sheriff, Grolix has come to your little town. This is Melanie, and you know Grolix. It's my duty to please that booty. And this has been Randy. Hey, hey, Lonnie. Get your Grolix away from there. Oh, that sounded like Jerry the Gnome. It did, it did. Thank you for listening to the Grolix Podcast. The Grolix Podcast is a production of the Electronic Media Collective and Vorpal Arrow Studios. For more Grolix Podcast, visit GrolixPodcast.com. Like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Grolix Podcast. Or follow us on Twitter at Grolix Podcast. We're also everywhere, all the time, all at once. Wait, my last episode in the future kind of sucked a little bit. Maybe if I remember right. So you need a new one? So I'm going to do one. In the future... Nope, let's go.